Hangouts bothers me if for no other reason. I mean, beyond all the other things that everyone else complains about, when we're having a conversation within like multiple people at the same company, so we all have the same email address, right? Except for like the first part, but it's like at npmjs.com. It still says, this person is in your circles. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, well, what, what do you want from me? Like, you want me to sit down and use Google Plus to decide, okay, this person's going to be in my circles and this person's going to, like, that, that, uh, the company. Well, I saw that Google's taking, like, Google Plus out of a lot of things, or it's separating it at least. But I'm not sure if that includes Hangouts, because Hangouts is kind of one and yeah. the same as Google Plus almost. Yeah, I don't know. No idea. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> cool. So, uh, I'm Justin, this is Jervon, and I think you met Pam. Uh, actually, I don't know that Pam, have we ever met in person? We have not met in person. Oh, okay. Okay. So, we, we've Twitter met. Yeah, we're <laughs> Twitter buds. Yeah. <laughs> Also, we've we've probably been in the same space at different times. Yeah, because you was, did. Yeah, you did a residency at Recurse Center. Exactly. Oh, cool. Exactly. So, which was super cool, and I was like, "Oh my god, this place is awesome." Anyway, so yes, hi. How long ago <laughs> were you at Recurse Center? Uh, sorry. How long ago? Oh, that was before after last band. month. Oh, okay. So yeah, very no, recent. really recently. It was awesome. I really, really enjoyed my time there. And I was like, I'm going to come back. And they were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good description. <laughs> yeah. Like, Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. They're like, come back whenever you want. I was like, I'm holding you to that. So just FYI. Yeah. Where are you? Where are you geographically? You're in California, right? Yeah. I'm in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very different world out here than New York. Oh, my goodness. Like, I was in New York, and I'm just like, oh, my God, I have to move here. This is so important. This is so great. Oh, my God, so much stuff happening right now. Oh, oh, my God, I need to move. And then and then I get home, and I'm just like, why did I do that to myself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think New York just does that to you. I think New York just kind of, like, like grabs you by the soul and is like, look at all of these things that you could be doing all the time. <laughs> I think it, it generates a lot of FOMO. Yes. Yes, it does. And yeah. everyone there is just so hip and like, <laughs> oh, I was so underdressed. Like, I don't know why all they put this all the time constantly <laughs> in, in like Soho, right? Of all the places, like right in fashion Mecca. And uh, I was like, I, I was just wearing, you know, classic San Francisco schlub and it didn't, it didn't work. It didn't work at all. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. I digress. So do you want to start off by telling us a little about yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is Raquel Velez, and uh, I work at NPM, uh, which if you do any JavaScript at all, uh, hopefully you've heard of us. Um, if you've done Node, you've definitely heard of us. Um, but basically, we're a package management system for JavaScript. Um, and I'm a software developer. And let's see what else. Oh, I used to do robots. Um, I was a roboticist for a long time and then I left robotics to do software and then the robots came back. And so I <laughs> kind of, my niche thing is robotics with JavaScript. Um, there's a whole movement called NodeBots, which is pretty awesome. And, uh, other than that, I just kind of sit around and craft 
that's my like new hobby right now. I like sew and knit and stuff because I don't have to look at a computer all the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's it. There's nothing else that's interesting about me. That's, that's the sum total. I'm sure there's actually a couple of other things interesting, but, um, we'll get to that or not. I don't know. <laughs> what kind of, uh, what kind of robots do you, did you, do you build? Um, so I used to build everything from, so my very, very first robot was a Lego Mindstorms robot. Um, and it, it would follow lines to, uh, air quote rescue and air quote people. Um, <laughs> like there were these little tinfoil people that were laid out on black lines. And whenever you hit the tinfoil person, you had to stop and go beep, 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 and then run right over them. Um, because that's totally how you rescue people. But, you know, that was fun. Um, and then the second robot I worked on was a self-driving car as part of the DARPA Grand Challenge in college. And so basically, since then, my the robots that I've worked on have kind of been anywhere in that range, from little Lego things that just kind of do whatever to really, really big robots. I've worked on industrial robots that were used for biomechanical research. Um, and now with the, the node bots movement, I tend to, so JavaScript isn't quite ready for, uh, self-driving vehicles. I just don't think that's the right <laughs> place for them yet. Um, but I am spending a lot of time kind of pushing the edge of what's possible. And so I do a lot of artificial intelligence, uh, on JavaScript robots, which people are like, oh my God, what does that even mean? And, and realistically, it's it's more like um, just trying to get it to make its own decisions, using algorithms to say, okay, given these base conditions, do these other things. And uh, which is realistically all that artificial intelligence is. Um, and so I, I've, I've built a robot that draws art, which is kind of fun. Uh, I've got a little robot that can, you know, does like sonar things. And I've got a robot that's just a little, a little manipulator. It's like a little arm robot. Um, and, and I give lots of talks about those and try to get people excited about playing with robots and JavaScript. When you so, say it draws things, is it like look at a picture and try to draw it? Or is it like drawing a pre-programmed set of lines? <laughs> so, so, so the, the, the story, the gimmick is that it's, it's an artist and it's making its own decisions about what it wants to draw. <laughs> and, um, really what it is, is, is it's, uh, a randomly generated set of decisions of either put the pen down or pick the pen up. Uh, and then another random randomizer that's like, do I go straight? Do I turn left? Do I turn right? Do I go backward? And, um, as a result, it looks like a Pollock painting. If you're familiar with Jackson Pollock, it's just a bunch of lines and curves on, on a blank canvas. Um, but it's really entertaining to look at it and try to pretend it's like this super meaning, deep, deeply meaningful abstract art and be like, you hear, you can see the sense of longing and loneliness and, and its desire to find a sense of self, <laughs> and et cetera, et cetera. And people are just like, what? <laughs> but if you can't have fun with robots, then what's the point? Is my opinion. So, where's the for NodeBots? Like, where's the JavaScript usually running? Is it like a Raspberry Pi or like Arduino PC? Or is yeah, it like a laptop so and a... 
Yeah. So, so at least for the robots that I'm building, I use a, a module called Johnny Five, um, and the the logic all hangs out on the computer itself. Node is running on the computer, and then uh, there's another module called Node Serial Port that transfers that data from the la- the laptop to an Arduino, uh, like an Arduino Uno or whatever. Um, but you can absolutely use it with other other types of uh, microcontrollers and, and kind of computing setups. So you can have a Raspberry Pi or a BeagleBone Black or a, uh, I believe it's called the Particle Spark or whatever. Um, and and you can, basically, the computing needs to be separate from the, the microcontroller itself in some ways. Uh, but you can, you can totally, like, the code needs to be kind of running in real time as opposed to saving it to like a, a just on board the robot and then letting the robot do its own thing completely separate from the computer. Like there needs to be some live computing happening at the same time. So um, Raspberry Pi or BeagleBone Black, if you want it to be on the comu- on the on board the robot itself, or have it running on your computer and then tether with a USB or try to go wireless with a like a USB replacement sort of thing. If that makes sense. Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> so, what made you pick JavaScript? Um. So I, I kind of feel like JavaScript picked me. Really, I <laughs> I didn't make too many decisions on that front. Uh. So the kind of the the story is I was building robots and then I got really tired of it because it wasn't. It wasn't as fulfilling as I wanted it to be. It was, it's, 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 excuse me. It's an extremely competitive atmosphere. Like you need to have a PhD and you need to like get funding and da, 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 da. And I have, I have project ADD. So PhD was completely out of the realm for me. Um, and so I left robotics and I was like, well, software can't be that hard. I mean, it's, I mean, robotics was, you know, hard, but it wasn't impossible. So the internet, how hard can the internet be? Um, this is me in 2011, not understanding anything about the internet at all. Um, and I basically was like, okay, well, let's, I'm going to try to work again at an internet company and I'll find some company local to me. And there was a company that was pretty cool that people kept talking about as being like the coolest place to work in town. And I talked to the CEO there and he was like, oh, well, if you want to get a job here, you need to learn Node. And so that was kind of my introduction to Node and, and therefore JavaScript. Um, and, uh, for any listeners who don't know what Node is, it's basically server-side JavaScript, just FYI. So instead of like Ruby, you just use JavaScript, but it's called Node. Um, anyway, so, so anyway, I'm, I'm hanging out in this Node atmosphere and then I learned about these folks playing with robots and Node and, kind of seeing what they were putting together, I was really impressed by what they were able to come up with without being roboticists, right? Like they were JavaScript developers playing with robots. And here I was a roboticist playing with JavaScript. And so I was like, well, this is an interesting opportunity, isn't it? Because I can kind of work with these people and kind of share my robotics background and they can share their JavaScript background and with our powers combined, we might actually be able to pull something off. Um, and, and then that's kind of when Nodebots was born. It was, um, 
you know, I, I think I came into the, the picture maybe like six months into the life of NodeBots as a whole. Um, but then with me and uh, a couple of others, like we, we really started to make it into a thing. And then we started bringing in more people. And now I'm at the point where I just kind of stand back and just watch other people make the NodeBots happen. And I just kind of am like, well, this is pretty cool. I don't even have to do anything anymore. And everyone's just playing with robots in JavaScript. And that's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. So I haven't done a lot of like robotics programming. I like have Raspberry Pi and I've <laughs> configured it to blink an LED before. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, as far perfect. as I've gotten. Excellent. Uh, it seems like a large jump from I had the simple, you know, node script that does a couple of things sequentially versus a robot like reading input and making decisions with like a state machine or computer vision or so- something else like that, like AI. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit like that, like how, like even like for a self-driving car or a robot that kind of is a little bit slightly autonomous, like how does, how does that application look? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> now we're getting into like some really interesting kind of software conversations. So, um, so from a node bots perspective, you're probably that like node bots isn't there yet by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we are, we're at the point right now, I would say based on the things that I've built and what I've seen others building, uh, you have kind of the, like the, the basics of like, okay, let's set up our robot. Like let's instantiate the board and let's have uh, understanding of what each port is connected to. So like if I have servos and some sensors and I want to know where things are coming in and where things are going out, um, and just having a really basic notion of the setup of the robot. And then from there, you can kind of start to separate things out and say, okay, well, as we've got this, uh, like right now, I do a lot of robotics with, uh, like a web front end just because it's really cool to see things happen on a screen and then also in real life, um, that's kind of like my secret for really good talks is just wow the audience. Is the screen usually like a map or like a visualization of the robot? Um, yeah, it can be anything. Um, but I've done, I've done a visualization of the robot. Like I have my little arm robot and I can like drag and drop within a canvas what the robot is doing and then it mimics it in real life. Oh, like that's cool. a pretty cool, uh, that's a cool visual. Um, another one that I've done is I've had a robot kind of, uh, with like a sonar attached to it, trying to plot what it sees on the visual. That's kind of cool too. Um, like on, on a canvas. Um, and, uh, I've also done things like, okay, if, if this is what we're trying to, like, let's draw what the robot is drawing and then we can see the robot actually drawing it and, and things like that. So, um, I'd like to have a web interface just because, especially since I speak at a lot of web conferences, people are like, okay, I understand the web, <laughs> the web I get, what is this hardware thing? Um, but back to your like question about how do you even like set up that kind of code base, right? Um, it's, it's, it's difficult because I don't know that, that people really know how. And I say that because I've, especially in, in academia, one thing I've learned since leaving robotics and moving into the internet space is that with 
the utmost respect for the academics who pour their lives into research and doing amazing, incredible things. Code is not their strong suit, by and large. Like, like I would say most of the time, code is just a means to an end, and they're just trying to get things working. So the I think you, notion- you found a really nice way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I-, I just wanna, good job, because I, I do, I agree with your point there. And is that you tend to see it's, yeah, you just said it really well. <laughs> There's differences. Yeah. There. It, it's, they just like they they care, but they don't, they don't know what to care about when it comes to code organization, right? Like they can spit out an amazing lab notebook and they can spit out an amazing research paper, but code, we don't teach code in schools the way that we learn how to code in in our jobs. And so there's no opportunity for them to learn those things. So things like separating, uh, like modularizing your code for some researchers, that's completely like, why would you do that? Like, it's okay. I can copy and paste this function eight times and just change the one value every <laughs> single time. Um, I've seen this. I've actually seen it. It's like, wait, you, you know how to use functions in math. You can use the same thing in your programs. Um, so, so trying to, like, from my experience as a roboticist, I've worked a lot in an academic environment, and I didn't really know how to put together an application for a robot. So now, now that I, I know how to put together an application, I'm actually still learning, right? I mean, every single day we're learning something new. Um, but, like, I basically wrote the, like, the second generation of the NPM website, and... I broke a lot of things and have been fixing it. And I now have an amazing team with me who can <laughs> call me out on all my stuff and be like, uh, pretty sure that this code doesn't belong here. Like, let's modulize this out here and there and da, 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 da. Um, and so now I have a better understanding of how I would put together an application for a robot uh, that makes sense, that is, you know, makes it easy for other people to contribute and um, et cetera, et cetera. Like another great thing about, or kind of thing about academics is when they're done with their project, they're done. They're not going to hand it down to the next person. They don't think (laughs) about it that way. And so like when like, let's say you're a grad student and you have figured out everything you need for your thesis then you're just like, okay, I've got my stuff for my thesis. I'm going to write my thesis and I'm going to graduate and I'm done. The next person to come into that research lab may still have to look at your code, but you didn't care. Like, like the first person did, does not care necessarily about the next person coming in. Like, like that's just not part of the process. It's not part of the culture. And so like documenting things, not a thing. Uh, making, writing tests. Oh my goodness. The number of academics. Writing tests? Are you serious? Like I've never <laughs> seen, I've never seen tests done the way they're done in the software industry, and uh, that was like a huge moment for me when I was like, "Oh my god, you can automate all of these things. This is brilliant." Now I don't have to. Now I can refactor code. I didn't even know what refactoring code meant. I just knew that well, this doesn't work. Let's just trash it and try it again. We at least had source control. That was a huge thing. I managed to come into the industry with already knowing Git, which was amazing. Um, but 
but yeah, other things just like, it, it's just not a priority in the same way. It, it's just not taught. And it's, I'm not calling anybody, you know, out. I, I'm simply acknowledging what's there. And, um, so yeah, I think if I were to write an application for a robot and I will probably be doing some more <laughs> soon, I think I would like for like a bigger robot, not just a little, like a little thing that can be done in like four files, but really making a, an intense robot. Uh, I'd modularize the heck out of everything, like separate components and, and try to like really think about the architecture of how all these things flow together. Um, but I haven't seen too many great examples of that done yet. So I can't even, I can't even tell you what that looks like yet. <laughs> Thanks. That was a really great description. Yeah. <laughs> you have no problem. <laughs> so what are y'all working on or, or excited about this week? This week? Yeah. Or uh, this, I don't, I, I don't know how often y'all do your podcast, but what, what cool things have happened? Since the I, last uh, I contributed and merged a feature into the RX Next repo. Nice. So the next version of React of RxJS, sweet, is really cool. So what was uh, feature? It uh, what was it? It was default if empty. <laughs> so if you are dealing with a a stream. And you want to have a default in case it come back, comes back empty. That is what default if empty does. So, cause this is a rewrite of RxJS. So it's, it's all in TypeScript, uh, and hopefully it will generally be smaller and more performant and more. The, the goal is also to make it up to the ES7 observable spec since that basically is adding that kind of reactive structure into native JavaScript, if it is accepted. What's cool. the TypeScript workflow? Uh, you write in TypeScript and then you run a compiler. <laughs> <laughs> do you I need think? any? Well, do you need any? So ClojureScript, you need Java. What do you need? Oh, for a... um, it seemed to just work. Interestingly okay. enough. Uh, so because I, I was totally prepared to spend more time, uh, dealing with it and what have you, but honestly, like their project, like I downloaded, I installed dependencies and the, the scripts ran. So that's good. Nice. So there's a, there's a TypeScript compiler. So you run the TypeScript compiler and it compiles to ES, whatever the old one is, ES5. Right. <laughs> Cause now there's ES2015, but that's what ES, Okay. Yeah, there's yeah, you you said ES7 and I was just like I'm still not even up to date on ES6 yet. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the cool thing is that uh I mean, so in TypeScript, TypeScript is essentially ES6 with types. Mm-hmm. Uh so if you use languages that have type annotations, it's not that ridiculous. So it could be, it's a good way to learn ES6. Cool. Cool. But yeah. Oh yeah. And also the shout out, I wanted to give the shout out to Ben Lesh who paired with me on it so that I could get up to speed with their pro, uh, with their uh, project. And it was really cool. So hopefully I'll be contributing more. Nice. That's awesome. J- Justin, did you learn anything? Um, I've been reading a book on Ember because I use Ember at work and I, um, use it naively. <laughs> 
I just kind of, whenever I need to sprinkle some JavaScript in my Rails app, I just kind of copy-paste things until it works. Uh, so I'm reading a book on Ember, trying to learn that properly. Uh, I haven't done any more Elixir recently, and we're kind of in a, uh, I don't want to call it crunch time because it's not like that, but we have something coming up that I need to pay a lot of attention to. So I haven't been, had a lot of free time to play on my own. I did listen to the podcast right. last week, and I wanted to ask you, Pam, what is Flux? And Len, but Len's not here. Oh, so Flux is, oh yeah, I also wrote an article. But yeah, so I think I told you this <laughs> right an article about that involved React. Um, but so Flux is the recommended architecture for React apps. Uh, uh so it is a, is an architecture in that you can draw it out in a diagram, but it also is a thing that you can download and you can use. So you can use Flux itself, but then because it is an architecture, you can download, like you can write your own. So like it's a pattern, like you can, how you can write your own MVC system, you can write your own like Flux type system. It's a, it's a dispatcher event system, but I mean, Facebook wrote a, you know, a whole thing around it. And so it's the recommended way to, to use React. Oh, okay. I bet Len really likes it. He seems to like uh, event systems in the front end. Yeah, I think actually, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. So, so is this like you, you were on vacation last podcast and Len's uh, out this week. And so you get to talk about each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but, uh, but yeah, because I know, because Len, Len's really fantastic at marionette and like you had did some talks on the circuit years ago about backbone and marionette. So it kind of makes sense for, for React to find a, something to make it make more sense and have a nice event system. Cool. I think I'm happy just using Ember for everything in the future. <laughs> That's my front end plan. I mean, they're working on it really hard. So. They are. Well, not even that. They're, they're working on it in a way that's like, there's not a lot of churn. They're very careful about what they put into it. And they don't mind taking two years to get to like 1.0 or something, you know? They actually just released 2.0 where they removed a lot of deprecated features and added nothing new. Huh. Interesting. That's so, nice. So if your so app then, runs with yeah. no warnings on 1. whatever, it should run on 2.0 with no problem. But run slightly faster because there's less code. Hmm. Huh. That's exciting. I feel like the, the front end space, there's just so much stuff going on there that like, by, certainly by all means, you can, you can pick one and just be like, this is it. This is the one I'm going to use and I'm good and it'll be fine. But like, every single one of them has its trade offs and like, knowing what those are, I think is just as valuable. Right. Even, even if you don't plan on ever using them, but like, cause like, uh, I don't know. I think I think when when people are talking about the different options, it's like, well, which one do I choose? And sure, on some level, if everybody's just like, well, we all just use this one, then of course it makes sense for you to use that one too, because all the people that you're gonna be asking for help know the one thing. But if nobody knows anything, like our team right now, as we're trying to figure out what option, if any, do we want to you know, start using on our website, like, we don't know which one to use. And we don't know what the trade offs are. And we don't know, because like, we need to sit down and learn something. But which one will it be? And we'd like to get things out and about as quickly as possible. So but we want we want it to be future proof, we want it to like, you know, be good for a long time. I don't know, there's so many options. I really 
wish there weren't so many options. It's, you know, it's like standing in front of a refrigerator when you're, when you're hungry. Mm. And you're just like, or a full refrigerator. And you're just like, uh, you just pick everything. <laughs> but you can't pick everything. <laughs> you put a pizza in the toaster while you start eating something else. Oh, you've done this before, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> and then you're full and then the pizza dings and you're like, oh, I gotta eat it now. Yeah. No, I like I like the idea of Ember because it seems like it has the least amount of churn and the most uh, convention in it. So mm. it seems very obvious how to do things. And it seems mm. like if I uh, if my teammates also know, we'll say like the Ember way, uh, mm-hmm. then there's less discussion about like wh- how things should should work, and then they just work. Because I've been on projects where we use like Backbone or just jQuery soup, and it becomes a mess when you have more than one person working on JavaScript. Yeah, but I am not a JavaScript developer. You obviously know a lot more about this than I do. Oh, I mean, <laughs> just. With one word, you can cause an, a huge eruption. <laughs> Actually, with any of five words, I can think of, you say promises, <laughs> uh, semicolons, Ooh. tabs. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, monads. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Like, monads aren't even a JavaScript thing. But if you just, like, kind of, like, run into a JavaScript space scream out the word monads and then run away, everyone will just start like erupting in like a conversation of like, what is it? It just sounds like ridiculous. Um, yeah. So there are, there are all sorts of things that like, there's no, it's not like rails, for example, which is extremely prescriptive. Like this is how you do things in rails. JavaScript, it's like, do whatever you want. Hopefully it works. And if it doesn't, <laughs> I don't know. It's, but it's fun. Uh, one thing I really love about NPM is we've kind of transitioned from being the package manager for Node and are focusing on being the package manager for JavaScript. Oh, cool. And, um, like we've got all, all sorts of modules in there. And I think just the many small modules ethos is, has really hit uh, a positive nerve in, um, in the community, just people are like, oh, yeah, this is great because then I can just, you know, install it and run it and bam, I, it's like a little Lego block that I can add to my, my system. And, um, and people are using it on the front end, on the back end for hardware. <laughs> and it's, it's cool. It's really, really cool. And I think even if we can't all agree on what syntax needs to look like, uh, as long as we agree on, on how how it's okay for us to do lots of little things really really well to make and then add them together to make a big thing uh, i think i think we can keep moving forward so deep thoughts deep thoughts <laughs> how big is npm these days the company um as of yesterday we were 22 so we're a Do lot you have smaller. A new person starting today? Um, no, <laughs> we had people <laughs> starting yesterday though. So oh, okay, it was, like yesterday, yesterday. Well, what's yeah? What's happening? <laughs> well, yeah, but the but the week before we were only twenty one. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're a lot smaller than most people think. But uh, I was the first employee, and so to me, it's huge. <laughs> I've been there since we were four, and I'm like. Oh my god, this 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 company is growing so fast. So is every 
everything at npm written in javascript yes virtually everything i mean there's there's some bash scripts um and there's a there's a little bit of so couch is one of our major databases uh, and that's written in erlang but it has a javascript kind of api um and we use ansible which is python based for our de- like operations type stuff for deployments and um and setting up servers etc but otherwise everything is javascript all of it all the way down top to bottom and it's beautiful and um not everyone will agree with me and that's okay <laughs> but but we really like it is it all like vanilla JavaScript, or do you write everything in ES6, or do you use any kind of like um, type checkers? Like I know there's some static analysis for JavaScript these days. Yeah, no, we use vanilla, plain old JavaScript. Uh, some teams use semicolons, and some don't. Some use, <laughs> uh, I mean, like like that's that's as far as as our non-vanilla JavaScript will go. Um, we everybody uses a linter of some sort. Um, uh, but other than that, nope, totally vanilla. No copy script or type script or anything like that. Mostly just because it was like a, it's a like a culture thing. Like, well, if our users are using JavaScript, but we we absolutely support copy script and type script, etc. Um, because we know that our users are using those too. Um, but we don't. We personally don't use those. Just more out of a, I don't know, opinions more than anything else like we don't hate any of them we're just we've been doing it for long enough now that well, like a lot of our team members like we have a bunch of team members who've been in the industry for nigh 20 years <laughs> so like they're just like nope vanilla's good we like vanilla so <laughs> but anyway um yeah so you're really into robots uh, are any parts of your like when I'm home, do certain things happen? Or like, are you into smart home stuff? Um, I keep trying to want to get into it. Like it, it fulfills every single bit of my like five-year-old self wanting to make everything automated. Um, but my thirty-year-old self knows about like knows that Nest, for example sends a lot of data home to Google and that creeps me out. <laughs> so I haven't quite embraced the, the smart home stuff as much as I would like. Um, like, and it also just takes time that I have. I keep wanting to put together a radio button, which basically, like, as soon as you walk in the door, you hit a button and it just turns on the radio uh, by radio, like, indoor or Spotify RDO or whatever and just have doing whatever I want. Just hit the button and bam, you start playing. Did you mean for the radio button to be HTML pump? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking as you were saying it. I was like, how are so you can you can only choose one radio source at a time, like a radio button. <laughs> Should get Sonos. 
That was that was the most unintentional pun. Oh my god! <laughs> the radio pun. No, I meant, I meant I meant an actual an actual pun's radio. <laughs> yeah, just a button, like one of those like big red buttons that they always tell you don't push. Right? I want one of those really big, like you know, just smack it buttons that when you press it, music comes out of speakers all around the house. And I called it the radio button, but we are in a web conversation. So, yeah. Oops. <laughs> I actually like the Amazon Echo for that because you can um, just walk into your kitchen and say, Alexa, play something on Pandora and it'll start playing. How do you like the Echo? I, I, I've seen it and I'm just like super skeptical. It but... was, it's really worth the pre-order price that they had of $99. I don't know if it's worth whatever it's... It's a really good Bluetooth speaker, and it's a really good, like, we use it as a kitchen kind of appliance. You can ask it for conversions. You can ask it what the weather is. Um, yeah. If you put in your uh, your office address, it will tell you if there's any traffic on the way to work. You can ask it. Um, the voice recognition is really good. Wow. And there's also an API where you can build your own things that integrate with it. Okay. So you could so say, deploy robots. <laughs> 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 so it's it's basically it's like a a standalone Siri in a way. Yes, and it, okay. it plugs in. There's no battery, so it's always powered on. You don't have to worry about the battery dying or anything. Uh, and it has a what do they call it? Far far field voice recognition. So I think there's like seven microphones in an array, and it can hear you talk normally across the room. You don't need to like shout or anything or, or be close to it. Oh, wow. I've also yelled from another floor to it, and it's heard me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, like, does it order things for you? Like, can you be like, you know, Alexa, I forgot to buy, I don't know, laundry detergent. Can you send me some? Yes. If um if you've ordered something on Amazon previously and you okay. say, Alexa, reorder such and such, it will just place the order for you if, you if you're a Prime member, I think. Or maybe if you're just a member at all. Um, so for instance, we needed batteries. My wife yelled at Alexa, you know, order AA batteries. We had ordered them from Amazon before. It just found it and placed the order. Oh, wow. Um, but if it doesn't know what you're asking for, it will just save it to your Amazon, like, shopping list. So you can open the app and fix it. Huh. Okay. Uh, they have some integration with the Wink Hub now. So you can say, like, Alexa, turn off the whatever light. Um, we have a... Smart Things Hub, which doesn't have integration yet. I'm like, I'm like thinking through this and just being like, this could be super awesome, but also <laughs> really creepy. Like, isn't it a little creepy that you're just like, oh, I got, I got used to it really quick. There, if you're really uh, paranoid, there's a mute button, so you you press like a microphone with a cross through it, and then the entire top of it turns red, and then supposedly <laughs> it's not listening anymore. <laughs> supposedly, but how do you know? What's really creepy is that the app, the Echo app, um, you can kind of debug what it heard. So everything you say, uh, everything you ask it creates a card in the app. You have to say Alexa or Amazon. Those are the only two activation words. Okay. Uh, once you say that, it listens and then um, does something with what you say. And then so in the app, you can go to a card and it'll say, this is what I heard. And then there's a little speaker and you can you can play back what it, what it heard from you. And that's probably the creepiest part is like hearing yourself from two days ago to say something <laughs> in your kitchen. 
Wow. Um, but yeah, it only supposedly like starts listening when, when you say one of the two activation words. I'm assuming right. that there's such a small subset because it might be hard-coded that it knows how to listen for that, and it's not always like sending everything you say to Amazon all the time. Right. I guess you could probably pull out a packet sniffer and find out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Where's the big data at home, huh? <laughs> find out. Because, I mean, so we have two dogs. Mm-hmm. And goodness knows, they don't do anything for us. Um, <laughs> so lazy. They, I know they're they just they're just freeloaders that just hang out at home sleeping, and then they're like, "I'm hungry," and you're like, "Fine, here's some food." Meanwhile, hey, do you think you could like you know turn out the lights or <laughs> like turn on the lights at night when we forgot or um, I don't know vacuum? Because see now now I'm like envisioning like. Alexa, turn on the Roomba. Like, have the Roomba start. You know, have have it like clean the living room while we're while we're in the kitchen or something. You know, like, <laughs> like that would be really cool, but also really creepy. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have a Roomba? I don't. I keep thinking <laughs> about it. But the thing is, again, two dogs. Can you imagine what they're gonna be like? Like, what's this dog like? You know, like, they're just going to look at it like, this dog is freaking me out. It doesn't even have legs. <laughs> now I want to watch the video of the dog and the cat riding the Roomba with the costumes. <laughs> the cat and the, what is it? It's like a dragon costume? Is that it? Or A shark, right, the shark costume. Oh, my goodness, that thing is hilarious. The other thing is that, so my dogs are pretty hairy, and I just don't want to have to, like, be constantly emptying the Roomba out. Like, when I vacuum with my regular Dyson vacuum, like, I'll go through four canisters of just ick. <laughs> like, TMI. But maybe I if it vacuumed every day, then you just have a little tiny bit to empty. Yeah. Yeah. Can they can they empty themselves yet? They can. They I totally can. I doubt that. I don't think so. Yeah. I would buy that one. Right. Or if it just, like, it, burned the hair outside. Like, yeah. destruct, destroy it somehow. <laughs> I mean, I know that they know how to get home, right? Like, they, they know how to get back to their power station. Do they, um, or do they just, like, randomly go around till they are charging? No, they know how to, they know how to get back. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, they so, have. But the, I don't use that feature because it has a hard time getting onto the, I think the base station needs to be up against the wall so it doesn't move. Oh. But I recommend the Roomba. I would like okay. a Roomba lawnmower. Those exist. I, I've That's seen the them. They're super expensive, and the reviews well, are kind of like, eh. Well, they also, that was in the news recently because they were getting FCC approval for it. Oh. FCC? So, yeah. Because I think, so I, I know, so someone was saying that these have been, like, you can see these at Disney World that they have, uh, robotic lawnmowers. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, in the consumer market, I guess it's an FCC thing. I mean, all electronics go through the FCC, it seems. Uh, but I, I don't know. Someone knows more about that. But people are saying I, that was. Self- I see that logo yeah. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, especially if it if it uses any sort of wireless communication, um, it definitely yeah. needs to go through the FCC because they're in charge of who gets to take over the airwaves or something. Right. That sounds um, right. That sounds like a yeah. Thing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but there, there are like there are Roombas for your pool. Oh you yeah, have a pool. Yeah, 
Um, there are Roombas that mop. <laughs> and, and we should probably clarify, they're not necessarily Roomba brand or made by iRobot even. Um, it's like Kleenex. Yeah, right. <laughs> or Band-Aid. All the, yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So lots of things around doing stuff. It just... I think the other thing is that I've seen enough robots just fall off of tables and the most, like, they mean well. They really do. But I don't trust them at all. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, computer, like, website developers who are just like, they flinch when they see their doctors using software. Like, oh God. Yeah. It's terrifying. Someone can make this better. Oh, yeah. That's so actually, bad. that's interesting. So, cause I, so I, I, been traveling for the last couple of weeks and I'm visiting and I a friend of mine was in town and he's working on his PhD and he's building virtual worlds under the idea that we we our our robots will never be great because our AIs are not great and our AIs are not great because we don't have good enough places to test them. Hmm. Ah. And so he's working in on that and working on virtual worlds because then because it's so it's what you're saying is like, that's what reminded me of it is he says like, well, you know, like what happens like 30 seconds after you turn on a robot and you say, okay, robot, go out into the world. It like sets itself on fire or like cuts off its own leg or, you know, like something like terrible happens because, you know, the robot has, you know, 30 seconds of life experience <laughs> and it it can't like it's not trained. So the idea is that, you know, what if you can, you know train your AIs in a virtual world and also, you know, like making new ones is trivial. So you can even have them play together or have humans go play with them and stuff like that. It's just really like cool. <laughs> just like, like what? Well, ba- babies learn. <laughs> okay. Oh. I thought you were saying that your baby lived in a virtual world playing with <laughs> AIs. And I was like, that's, that would be cool. That's not what I thought that that's not what kinder care did when I went. Have you seen the um, movie? Uh, Chappie? No. What is that? Uh, is that good? Uh, no. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, then, whatever. Let's not never talk of it again. Well, no, no, no. It's it's, but it's a, it's an interesting concept. Um, okay. Somebody makes a a strong AI, like an actual brain like AI, and uh, they put it in a robot. And then the robot essentially is a newborn. It knows nothing. It doesn't know English. It doesn't know how to walk. Um, and. But it's a, but since it's electronic, it's a computer, it can learn a lot faster than a human can. So over the course of a few days, it knows English and knows how to, uh, in this movie's case, like hold a gun or do other things. Um, it was an interesting I, movie. I really don't want any gun, any robots with guns. I just don't. That just yeah, doesn't sound like not. a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <I think not. laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I don't know if you care. The movie's premise was there was this like robotic police force that is, uh, I guess considered weak AI, um, and then one of the developers makes a a strong AI for um, the police robot. Gets doesn't get approval from his boss to try it, and then somebody steals a robot and steals him, and then he convinces the, the thieves to let him try it. <laughs> I think I may have seen <laughs> like a, a trailer for this. It also has a South African. Uh, Zef rap group D Antword in it. Okay. Really oh bad. my god, I love D Antword. Do you? You should watch yes. the movie then. They're the stars. <laughs> what? That's like that's like that's like saying watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 
because vanilla ice is in it. <laughs> yeah, the the people that steal the robot and the and the... you have to like vanilla ice though. I actually do <laughs> like Diane Tward. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah, you should watch the movie then. Yes, baby. <laughs> I hadn't Big heard Hero of them. Six. I hadn't heard of them, and then I listened to some music after I saw the movie. There was like a they're song ridiculous. Or, there was like a song or two that I enjoyed. That's how I would summarize them. I think they're awesome. They, they do a great live show. Definitely ridiculous. They're ridiculous. Um, so we should we should do picks. Okay. Um, so uh, I'm gonna pick this podcast I heard about called Reactive at reactive.audio <laughs> Raquel could you tell us about my pitch <laughs> well so uh so reactive is a podcast that I do with a couple of friends uh Khalil and Henning and uh it's basically it's very similar to this podcast actually in the sense that we just kind of talk about whatever um it's slightly more scripted only in the sense that we think about what topics we want to talk about beforehand, which, you know, it, it just changes the tone of things a little bit. I, for one, just want it to be like a random, just whatever, let's just talk about whatever. But it is also kind of fun to to know, uh, have like some ideas ahead of time of what we're going to talk about. Um, but yeah, we just kind of, it's very reactive. So it's, it's, it's a, every week uh, we publish uh, sometimes towards the end of the week, like Thursday or Friday. And we just kind of talk about what happened over the course of the last week or maybe we're talking about something that we've learned about um and just kind of hang out and chat and it's chill it's really really chill um we haven't yet had any guests i don't know if we plan to we might no idea we're we're still figuring out as we go along we've done like four episodes five episodes so far um but yeah definitely that's that's an awesome pick. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Check it out. Cool. I guess I'll go next. Should I go next or sure. should I go last? Okay. Um so my pick is uh I, I talked about this on our podcast uh on the reactive podcast last week, but uh Screen Hero is seriously my favorite 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 uh like screen sharing tool that's out there. Um, if you use Slack, uh, and if you, if you are on a paid Slack organization, you can create an account for free. Um, because Slack bought screen hero back in January. Uh, but if you are not, if, if you're not part of a paid Slack org, maybe like your company or whatever, then you can get an invite from somebody. Um, but basically, it allows you to share your screen with somebody, but you, instead of like having some mutually agreed upon screen, or you can just, or like a one way sort of one person is showing their screen and you can just kind of watch, you can actually manipulate, like both, all the people involved on the call can manipulate the same screen at the same time. So you basically have like a huge tunnel into somebody else's workflow or whatever, but it's really great for remotely pair programming. Um, and my team uses it a lot and it's really, really, it, the voice is clear. The, like, or like, the audio is clear. The, the, you know, the screen is really easy to see. And it's like you're sitting right next to that person because you can use your keyboard and your keyboard and your mouse on their stuff as well. Um, so it's a little creepy, 
but it's also really, really useful and cool. So that's my pick. Awesome. Jervon? Um, so this week I've been a little more excited about Rudy than I was for a while. Uh, so I'm going to pick Ruby with an emphasis on JRuby. If you haven't played with JRuby, you should check it out. Um, and my music pick is a series of videos on YouTube. It's a DJ competition called Three Style, um, done by Red Bull. Uh, it's pretty good. Those are my picks. Cool. And uh, last week I was on vacation because uh, we were at Glacier National Park, which I'd never heard of growing up. I'd heard like Yellowstone and the other ones, but it's apparently it's a really big park, and it's really really great time to spend like a week there and just go hiking every day and it's lots of really cool um the park's so big and there's so much elevation that the bottom of the park like looks like a lake with trees and there's other areas around it and then you can drive up uh like a good three four thousand feet higher and it looks completely different and there's this road called going to the sun road which uh takes about an hour to drive up and it's a, a really skinny road on the side of a cliff like literally, like is attached to the side of a rock wall. Uh, is pretty spectacular. Do you see any cool animals? We saw a uh, black bear and uh, mountain goats and bighorn sheep. Nice. And these fat little squirrels that people were calling Canadian squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> they were. Really Did cute. you take a selfie with the bear? No, that was that's a good idea. No, uh, no, it's a bad idea. Don't do that. <laughs> It was across a lake. We weren't really that close to it. Oh, okay. Um, we were super close to the mountain goats. They like walked by us when we were having lunch, like five feet away. Um, and then the squirrels kind of hung out when we were eating lunch, too. They uh, tried to steal food, so we got some pictures with those, some selfies. Nice. Nice. I, there's, like, there's always somebody like in, in Yosemite who's taking selfies with a bear, and you're like... <laughs> No. Why do you think this is a good idea? Like, really? Why? <laughs> so, Raquel, where can people find out more about you? Um, I am on Twitter a lot. So, uh, Rockbot, R-O-C-K-B-O-T, on Twitter. Um, that's honestly the easiest way to get a hold of me, to see what's going on, etc. I have a website. You can access it through my Twitter account. Um and I have email if you want to, you know, reach out to me by email. Uh, but by far and away, the easiest way to chat with me or whatever is Twitter. I will respond to 99% of all at replies. So if that's something that you want to do, cool. And if not, that's cool too. Um, and I go to conferences a lot. So uh, there's a good chance you might see me someplace. So say hi. Awesome. And yeah. Thanks, thanks for uh, joining us. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Just chatting about stuff. Super cool. I learned a lot about robots. <laughs> yes. Yes. And now I have to like think about how to build a uh, proper application for a robot. <laughs> it's now, now my brain, the brain juices, they are flowing. But I have work to do. So we'll see. <laughs> cool. If you want to hear... Um... If you want to read more about this episode, go to turing.cool slash 61 and uh, talk to everybody else next week. All right. Bye. Bye, everyone.